But as we've seen in Revelation chapter 9, the attitude of many in that time will be anything but. Let's open our Bibles now and join Pastor Phil for our study. Now we have a long pause. Chapters 10 through 14 are a very long parenthetical pause. And during this pause, these chapters, what's going to happen is God is going to take us back and he's going to give us greater insights into some of the things that have happened thus far in the tribulation period. So that's why, as we come to chapter 11, we're going to be studying about the ministry of the two two witnesses, but their ministry really took place in the first three and a half years, because God is going to take us back and going to focus on some of these things, give us greater insights into what is going on. Now, chapter 10 begins this parenthesis, all right? John said, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, And a rainbow was on his head, his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. Many commentators, good commentators, are divided on who this mighty angel is. Many of them, and again, many good commentators, believe it's Jesus. And it's true that uh, in the Old Testament, often Jesus makes an appearance, only he is called the angel of the Lord, right? He's never called the angel of the Lord in the New Testament, but it is true that many places in the Old Testament he makes a cameo appearance before his incarnation, and he is called the angel of the Lord. The word angel means messenger. It could be a heavenly messenger, or it could be an earthly messenger. Sometimes an earthly messenger is called an angel. Uh, You have to look at the context, all right? Now, those that believe this is Jesus believe it for several reasons. Let me just give them to you real quick. First of all, in verse 1, it says that this angel is clothed with a cloud. Well, if we go back to Revelation chapter 1, where John sees this vision of Jesus that he writes about, he said in verse 7, Behold, he is coming with what? With clouds. And every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so. Amen. So we see that Jesus is associated with clouds, right? Secondly, in verse 1, this angel has a rainbow on his head. Well, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 3, we see that the throne of God is encircled by a rainbow. And it seems like rainbows, which are a symbol of God's promises and covenants, uh, are associated with God as one of his kind of characteristics. And so it wouldn't be unlikely for, us to, for a rainbow to be associated with Jesus, right? Number three, this angel's face was like... The sun, verse 1 tells us. Well, in Revelation 1, verse 16, we read, And he, uh, he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. Seems like we're building pretty, a pretty good case for this being Jesus, all right? Number four, 
He has feet like pillars of fire, verse 1 tells us. Well, Revelation chapter 1, verse 15 says, His feet, speaking of Jesus, were like fine brass, as, as if refined in a furnace. And, verse 15 goes on to tell us, His voice was like the sound of many waters. Think of a massive waterfall and the sound that that makes. Well, it says here in verse 3 that this angel cries out with a loud voice as when a lion roars. You know, Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And, you know, if you take a waterfall or a lion's roar, the key is volume and intensity. And so, you know, these could be talking about the same person. The idea that a lion's roar is associated with God, well, that's all throughout the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 31, verse 4. For thus the Lord has spoken to me, as a lion roars, so the Lord of hosts will come down to fight for Mount Zion and for its hill. Also in Joel chapter 3, verse 16, Joel tells us the Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Are you convinced this is Jesus? Sounds like it's Jesus. I mean, just from what we've talked about. Now, let me give you the reasons why I don't think it's Jesus. And you knew that's where I was going, didn't you? First of all, two or three times in the book of Revelation, John is commanded not to worship angels. You know, we have to kind of feel for John. Here he is, a first century guy. He's been transported into heaven all the way, and he's, he's getting a, a box seat view of what's going on on the earth during the tribulation period. And he's coupling this with, you know, he's looking at the earth and what God's doing down there in the way of judgment. He's able to then glance into heaven and see what's happening in heaven. And he gets so overwhelmed at times at what's going on in heaven and how awesome God is, how totally in control God is, and how that he is now punishing the people of this world for their wickedness, the fact that they have slaughtered millions of God's people throughout the centuries. Sometimes John gets so overwhelmed with God's majesty, he actually, as an angel is kind of by his side, kind of showing him these things, he falls down and worships the angel. He says, it's just so excited. And the angel says, no, 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 don't do that. I'm your fellow servant. Worship God, right? Two or three times this happens. Now, John knows that Jesus being God is to be worshipped. And for, for God now to liken Jesus to an angel, I think confuses things. Also, though, in verse 1, John says, I saw another mighty angel. The Greek word for another there is alas, which means another of the exact same kind. The Greek word heteros, which we get a word heterosexual from. The Greek word heteros means another of a different kind. Now, listen. If this angel, this heavenly messenger was really Jesus, John would have used the Greek word heteros to tell us that this angel, this messenger, was not like all the other angels. You know, angels appear 60 times in the book of Revelation. 60 times. If this angel was Jesus, John would not have called him Alas, another mighty angel, lumping him in with all the other angels that have gone before and after in the book. He would have said, Heteros, this messenger was different because he's the Lord Jesus Christ, not just an ordinary angel, which, of course, we know angels are far from ordinary. 
When John said, I saw another mighty angel, another of exactly the same kind, it draws our attention back to chapter 5, verse 2. In chapter 5, verse 2, John says, Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? In the Greek, the word for strong in chapter 5, verse 2 is the exact same word for mighty in chapter 10, verse 1. Now, we know from the context of chapter 5 that that strong angel was not Jesus Christ because the angel asked who was worthy to take the scroll and loose its seals. And here comes Jesus in the form of a lamb as it had been slain who comes up to the throne of God, takes the scroll out of the Father's right hand. So that angel in chapter 5, verse 2 is definitely not Jesus Christ. And if the angel in chapter 10, verse 1 was exactly like that angel... Well, then this angel in chapter 10, verse 1, can't be Jesus either. So who is he? Who is he? Well, that's a good question. We don't know. But I'll throw, I'll throw something out to you, all right? Oh, we don't know for sure. And if you want to believe it's Jesus, that's fine with me. You're in good company. There's a lot of great commentators and scholars that believe it's Jesus. I don't believe it's Jesus. And uh, for those reasons. And, and there are a couple others I'll, I'll give to you. But uh, who, who is this angel then? Well, if he's exactly like the angel in chapter 5, verse 2, and the angel in chapter 5, verse 2 is called a strong angel, you know what the word, the name Gabriel means? The strength of God. And if this angel is exactly like that angel, and I think Gabriel was an archangel, even though he's not specifically called an archangel, then I think that this angel in chapter 10, verse 1 is Michael. Now, that's my own opinion. That's my own take. And the reason that this mighty angel reflects so much of God's attributes and character is simply because angels in general reflect the attributes and characteristics of God, right? How much more so this mighty angel, this archangel Michael, how much more does he represent the strength and the characteristics of God in his life? So I think that this could be Michael. Uh, I don't think it's Jesus. For I'll give you a third reason why. Because whenever Jesus appears in Revelation, John always gives him a, an unmistakable title. I'll give you some of the titles that is given to Christ throughout the book. All right, I've got the references up here if you want them. In the book of Revelation, Jesus Christ, when he appears, is called, first of all, the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. He is called the Son of Man. He is called the first and the last. He is called the living one, the Son of God. He is uh, he who is holy and is true. He's called the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. He is called the Lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He is called the Lamb. He is called Faithful and True. He is called the Word of God in chapter 19. And he is called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I think it's reasonable to assume if this angel was Jesus, then John would have given him a title that would have given us, you know, an indication that this is, in fact, Jesus Christ. He wouldn't just call him a mighty angel, okay? He would have given us a little more to designate this is, in fact, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll give you one more why I don't think this is Jesus. Because John said in verse 1, I saw another angel, what? Coming down from heaven to where? To the earth. Look, Jesus said 
when I come back, every eye is going to see me, every tongue is going to confess, and I'm going to set my kingdom up on the earth. If you make this angel Jesus, now we got three comings. The first coming, this is the second coming, and we got a third coming. And that's why I don't think it's Jesus. I think it's, in my mind, it is a mighty angel, probably Michael, but we don't know that for sure. When Jesus comes back, and he won't come back to the earth, nowhere in the New Testament are we ever told anywhere that he is going to come back to the earth before he comes back officially at the second coming, which we read about in Revelation 19. That's when he comes back to the earth to establish his kingdom. So I don't think this is Jesus. Does it really matter? I guess not. But when you're a teacher, little things matter. I mean, I want to know these little details. I hope you're as interested uh, in these things as I am. Now, Revelation 10, verse 2. This mighty angel had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. Now, what is this little book, or actually the little scroll? What is this little scroll in this angel's hand? Well, uh, some people uh, say it is actually the same scroll that we see in chapter 5, verse 1, that was in the Father's right hand, sealed with the seven seals. Uh, and, uh, of course, Jesus comes and he begins to break the seals, which unleashes the judgments of God, right? And so, so some people think, well, it's actually that scroll. Uh, others say, well, the word for scroll in chapter 5, verse 1 is biblion. From biblos, we get our word Bible from that Greek word. It just simply means book. We know it was a scroll. They didn't have bindings back then. A scroll. And they say that the little scroll here in chapter 10 is a Bibliridian in the Greek. And they say it's two different Greek words. Uh, so they have to be two different books. I really think what's happening here is uh, this little scroll simply contains the remaining judgments that the big scroll, you know, in general contains. It's, the word Biblion and uh, Bibliridian, think of book and booklet is the idea. One big, one small. You know, publishers have uh, begun to do something that I kind of like, actually. Uh, they'll send you a little booklet in the mail of an upcoming book that an author is working on. Just give you one chapter, all right? Uh, just a little booklet containing just one chapter from this upcoming book. Kind of whets your appetite, you know, for what's coming. And uh, I think that, in a way, this is what we're seeing. We're seeing in this little scroll uh, really, it's the uh, these angels' written orders, this, this mighty angel. It's his written orders uh, containing the final judgments which are going to be coming. So it's just a little piece of the bigger scroll is the idea. And we, we read here that uh, John says this mighty angel set his one foot on the sea and the other foot on the land. He's a big angel. And the position he is taking is one of dominance. Uh, my secretary, Linda, trains uh, dogs, and she was telling me that, uh, that if you are training a dog, you want to stand over the, the dog. You, you, you want to do that because it gives you, uh, in the dog's mind, the dominant position. Uh, the dog knows you're an authority, all right? And the idea is the same here. This angel is representing God. And, of course, God has authority. God has uh, dominion over the earth. It is his. He has the authority and he has the power to judge it. And that's kind of the idea here. This angel is taking a stance of judgment. Remember when David numbered the people. Remember he numbered uh, the children of Israel. That was wrong. You, don't, you only number what belongs to you. All right? 
I don't go into your house and start counting your stuff. And you don't better not come into my house and start counting my stuff. We only number what belongs to us. David was overstepping his bounds. Uh, the people didn't belong to him. He was king, but they belonged to God. And it was a serious sin in the mind of God. And so he told David, look, uh, I'm going to have to judge you and the people for this sin. And so you remember how that God sent an angel. And the angel began to strike the children of Israel. And in First Chronicles 21, verse 16, you have to turn there, but it got to Jerusalem. Then David lifted his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth, having in his hand a drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. So David and the elders clothed in sackcloth fell on their faces, and they interceded, and God kept the angel from doing any more destruction. It's kind of the same thing here. This angel is standing between heaven and earth in a sense, you know, and he's ready to bring judgment. But what we also need to remember is that no matter how bad things get, and of course we won't be here to see these judgments poured out in the earth, but let's just say right now, things, you know, uh, are not looking real good. I mean, the, the world picture is looking more and more bleak, you know. Uh, perplexity of nations, with, it means no way out. Jesus talked about that. In the end times, you would have a, um, uh, there would be this uh, perplexity between nations. In other words, in the Greek, serious troubles that just there was no seeming answers to. We're seeing that, you know? And, um, and as we see these things unfolding, which are going to lead up to the unveiling of the Antichrist and the one world government and all these things that are coming in the book of Revelation that we've been studying about, sometimes it's kind of, we, we, if we allow ourselves, we can kind of get the impression that it's all completely out of control. And we lose sight of the fact that no matter how bad things get, God is still in control. This angel is kind of symbolizing that. I mean, it's terrible on the earth right now. Why? Because God is judging the world. But God is still in control, all right? We have to remember that, especially in the day in which we're living. But verse 3, this angel cried out with a loud voice as when a lion roars, when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. So John hears these seven, you know, like a, one after another, like a, a pealing of thunder. And in the thunder there was voices and they were speaking things. John was going to write them down. God says, don't do it. Don't, don't write it down, John. All right? Now, folks, that has driven many commentators almost mad. <laughs> I can't handle the fact that God didn't want us to know what the seven thunders uttered. And so they spent a lot, a lot of time trying to tell us what they believe the seven thunders said, which I think is pointless, because if God wanted us to know what they said, he would have had John write it down. So for us to speculate, it's just a waste of time, I think. We have to get it into our heads that sometimes God says to us, you know what, you can't handle this. And I have to just seal it up. We saw that in the Old Testament, didn't we? Daniel received some pretty phenomenal revelations and prophecies. And uh, at one point in chapter uh, 8, 
it says that uh, he was Daniel was commanded by God the vision of the evenings and mornings, which has been told is true, but keep the vision secret, for it pertains to many days in the future. Later in chapter 12, Daniel was told, go your way, Daniel. He wanted to know. Lord, what does it all mean? The Lord says, go your way. All right? For these words are concealed and sealed up until the time of the end. Now, it is true that in the end times which we are in, the things that God told Daniel that he could not possibly have understood. How was Daniel going to understand things like nuclear war? You know, um, telecommunications, where we could see events happening in one area of the world, we could see it from all over the world. Or buying and selling without money, using numbers. These are things that he would have no comprehension, no ability to understand. We understand these things. Because in the end times, God said to Daniel, knowledge would increase and men would go to and fro about the face of the earth. We are in that generation. So even though God has been revealing things to us, there are some things he still doesn't want us to, I guess, know about. Maybe we can't handle it. Paul was taken to heaven, you remember. He was caught up to heaven. And uh, he said, I, I heard things in heaven that were so inexpressible that it was, it was not per- permitted for me to speak them to you. I mean, God told Paul, Don't, you'll, you'll ruin it if you try to communicate what you heard and saw. There are some things that God has chosen not to reveal. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things which he has revealed, they belong to us and our children, that we might obey what God has said. So, you know, God doesn't expect us, he doesn't hold us accountable for what he has not told us. He only holds us accountable for what he has. It was Mark Twain who said, It's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that trouble me. It's the things in the Bible that I do understand that trouble me. And that's the thing. Okay, so right here, for whatever reason, God tells John, Do not write what the seven thunders uttered. Now, the revelation means unsealed or unveiled. And this book has been an unveiling. But this is the only thing in Revelation that God still wants sealed. Why? I don't know. I'll leave it to you to speculate. I'm going to move on. Because you know what? If God wanted us to know, He would have told us. So there's no point in spending a lot of time trying to figure out what these seven thunders said. Verse 5. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever who created heaven and the things that are, uh, that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that they should, that there should be delay no longer. Now, some use this as proof that the mighty, mighty angel in verse 1 could not be Jesus because they say, well, look, he is swearing by God. Well, that proves that the angel can't be Jesus because Jesus is God. Well, in all fairness to the people that think the mighty angel is Jesus, look, the Bible says because God can swear by no greater, he swears by himself. So that's not really a proof that, you know, this can't be Jesus. I don't think it's Jesus for other reasons, but I'm not going to use that argument because I know it doesn't hold up. In my devotions a couple of days ago, I was reading Jeremiah 44, and it just jumped out because we were going to be studying this passage. You know, and I knew what was coming in Revelation, but in Jeremiah 44, verse 26, and this is just one of many I could give you. It says, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, all Judah who dwell in the land of, uh, of Egypt, 
Behold, I have sworn by my great name, says the Lord, that my name shall be no more named in the mouth of any man of Judah in all the land of Egypt, saying, The Lord God lives. And so God was pretty upset with his people because they refused to repent and now found themselves back in Egypt for a time. But because God can swear by no greater, he swears by himself. Verse 5 again, the angel who John saw standing on the sea and land, he had one hand, his right hand raised to heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever and ever that there should be delay no longer. Now, the angel took the standard gesture position for taking an oath. We even do it today in court. The angel had the little scroll in his left hand. He raised his right hand to heaven. We do that in court. We put our left hand on the Bible. We raise our right hand, and we swear to tell the truth, right? And the idea is that this angel is swearing to God that the mission God has given him will be delayed no longer. Now, God has been delaying this. What is this mission? Well, obviously, we're going to see the beginning of the seven final bold judgments soon. You've been listening to Day by Day, the verse-by-verse Bible teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel in Elk Grove Village, Illinois, with Pastor Phil Ballmeyer. Today's message, as well as many other studies, can be heard and downloaded free of charge from our website at daybydayradio.org. From our website, you can contact us, order resources, read Pastor Phil's blog, and also subscribe to our daily podcast. We hope you'll pay us a visit. And remember to join us for Day by Day, Monday through Friday, here on this station. Thanks again for listening, and please join us again next time as we continue to study God's Word. Until then, may the Lord richly bless you and guide your steps as you walk with Him day by day. day, by day.